Evan Warren does what I don't think anyone saw coming in expanding the Big Ten with two of the biggest brands in the business. Mind blown. What does it mean for Ohio State in the future of the biggest conference in the sport? We'll talk about it in this episode of the 11 Dubcast. I'm Andy Vance along with Johnny Ginner. Johnny, boy, gee golly, has this been the week of weeks in the offseason? I think you and I probably would agree that Kevin Warren was not the most popular Big Ten commissioner that the average fan of Ohio State football could think of prior to uh, a few days ago before the recording of this podcast. What on earth has transpired in the past, what, two, three weeks that got us to a point where the University of Southern California and the University of California, Los Angeles are suddenly Big Ten members? Yeah. <laughs> Is, oh, did I wake up like on crazy pills? Is this a parallel universe? Well, what? I don't know your life, Andy, but what it's a- not a parallel <laughs> I know your life a little bit. It's you know what? It's not a parallel universe. This is real life. And by the way, re- real quick before we get into this, there are a lot of people still who want to give Kevin Warren zero credit for this. And maybe they're right. I don't know. Maybe this is all a Fox thing. And Kevin Warren just kind of sat on the sidelines and did nothing. But this was really we talked about this a long time ago when he first became commissioner. That this is priority one, right? Figuring out uh, new TV deals, who's going to be in the conference and conference expansion, blah blah blah. That was all part of it. So. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not in these rooms. I don't know who's making these negotiations, but if you're going to give Jim Delaney, for example, credit for creating the big 10 network and, and doing all these, you know, really shrewd moves back in the day, then I think you have to give Kevin Warren at least a little bit of credit for this uh, while still acknowledging that he, you know, completely screwed up other things, but uh, this is a coup and it's, it's, <laughs> it's a heist. And the big 10 pulled off, in my opinion, one of the biggest heists in college football history, because, it's not just that they have, you know, LA on lockdown. It's that this is really, this is the biggest domino. It, it started 10 years ago with conference expansion, realignment, and things like that when they added you know, Nebraska and then later Rutgers of Maryland. Uh, but this is, it, it took about a decade for it really to get going in earnest. And this is the one I think that finally like topples the entire thing over because um, you've got some, you know, universities having to make decisions that they could never have envisioned even just a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, we know that this caught, for example, the Pac-12 completely off guard and uh, that conference is gone. Like, bye, see ya. Uh, so, yeah, man, I just, I don't know. It, it's, it's super wild. It feels like it's all been happening in a very short period of time, but I think the truth is that this is a long time coming and the Big Ten finally just ended up pulling the trigger. Yeah, I think the one thing you said early on that it really should be reiterated, and that's that for all of the uh, hell I gave Kevin Warren during his disastrous handling of the COVID-shortened season and everything about that, mm-hmm. uh, you hit the nail on the head. This was what this guy was brought in to do. I, I don't mean specifically bagging USC and UCLA, but setting up the conference for the biggest possible payday come TV rights time. This was a TV rights deal that was already going to be a billion dollars a year, yeah. right? Like and and that would have be... been on its own the biggest college sports media deal of all time. And and now you add in the biggest media market, you know, on the planet in 
Los Angeles and, and the bigger reach that those two Southern California schools are going to bring. Uh, just mind boggling the amount of money. I, I mean, I do think some people are probably- saying like it could double like the offer at this point. I mean, again, it's a combined media deal. It's not like, you know, they're just the Big Ten is going to sign one contract with one, uh, you know, news organization or whatever. Uh, and they they've already made a few uh, contracts already. But like in addition to what they already have, they're expecting that to double what the initial estimate was, which is already, again, the largest media deal in college sports history. So that's pretty wild, I think. Yeah, it, it's uh, it, it's a crazy time. And, and, and one of the things that I find really interesting about this, I was pondering the situation of Big Ten conference realignment 10 years ago, long before I was writing about uh, wrestling on the site or co-hosting the podcast with you. I was a fan reading 11 warriors every day. And, and back in the day, uh, the site had a little user blog, so you could keep your own blog on the site in addition to, you know, p- p- posting things in the forums and so on. And I wrote quite a few blog posts. Uh, I'm a writer at heart. I wrote quite a few blog posts about conference expansion and realignment and what I thought were kind of the key guiding principles that seemed to direct, and this is kind of in the the wake of the Nebraska edition, right? And so what can we learn about Nebraska and, and what does that mean for conference realignment as it relates to the Big Ten? And, and I thought there were some sacred cows in there. I figured, you know, you had to be a member of the AAU, the American Association of Universities. That seemed to be uh, a big deal because most of the Big Ten's institutions have been flagship state universities with lots of, of research dollars and academic um, gravitas, right? So you were looking at schools that that had to be academically stellar schools. Chances are they were going to have, like I say, massive research operations. They were going to probably have a huge university hospital system. These were all kind of things that most of these schools have in common. And every school doesn't fit that bill. Northwestern is a square peg in a round hole. It is not, you know, a public uh, state flagship land grant type institution. They're not all land grants. Most of them are not, not all. Uh, and, and so you'd say, okay, that was one thing that eliminated several schools right off the top. Right. Then another was going to be geographical relevance. You thought, okay, it's got to be either contiguous to, or I, I got a little crazy in a couple of my posts and said, okay, uh, look at schools like North Carolina, look at schools like uh, Georgia Tech. Hell, look at a school like Florida State, maybe, you know, look at some, some crazy type schools that would at least be relevant to the Big Ten footprint, but, but we're outside of that traditional Corn Belt Midwest area. I never in a million years, <laughs> I think I even made an argument at one post about going and getting you know, Texas. And, and that would have been better than Notre Dame was, I think the specific argument I made probably eight or nine years ago. Sure. I never in a million years (laughs) thought that we would be talking about the two Southern California schools. What do those schools other than media dollars bring to the big 10 and, and how does this change the flavor of this? What is typically been a Midwestern corn belt regional conference? Well, and what I think is interesting about all of this, I mean, we talk about football, right? And then basketball, of course, I mean, UCLA brings in, you know, a, a ton of history with that. But I, I think maybe from an outside of the box, you know, stance, and especially if they get, you know, let's say Stanford, you know, that would be huge. The the viability, a lot of people have talked about this in the area of NIL and, and paying players and stuff like that. Like how many varsity sports can you maintain? the viability of non-revenue sports, I think actually goes up 
the more of these West Coast teams that you have because they've got a lot of, you know, sports that are precious to them that they don't want to give up and that they prioritize in a way that maybe Ohio State, well, Ohio State's not a good example, but maybe Maryland doesn't. And so I, I think that that dynamic between the non-revenue sports, what that looks like is really, really fascinating. And I think that's going to cause like, you know, I'd love to say that, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats and that all of a sudden, you know, UCLA is going to have a great wrestling program or something like that. I don't know that that's necessarily the case, but there will be some really interesting changes in Big Ten sports in general. And I think you're going to see a higher quality of competition in something like baseball, for example, or some of these other things. The other thing for Ohio State football specifically is that, you know, and they've already made inroads in this and Ohio State as a brand can go anywhere they want. But that's nice to be able to go to California and kind of show off, right, at least once a year and be like, hey, guys, you know, come to Ohio, come to the Big Ten, et cetera, et cetera, for all these, you know, recruits that are going to be around. So I, th the dynamics at play here are really interesting. I obviously don't think that the Big Ten is done. And there are reports out there obviously saying that, you know, Big Ten's targeting the likes of you know, Oregon and Stanford and, and Notre Dame. And we can get to Notre Dame in a little bit because those yep. guys are going to just shoot themselves right in the foot during this entire thing. I'm mean, very, very excited to see how that works out. Um, but there was also, you know, there, there are guys, media guys out there said that UNC, as you mentioned, is, is a uh, potential target. Um, I don't know. I, I think that would be really interesting. It, you know, again, this is the era of conference expansion the pedal is down to the metal and we will see how the sec reacts because the only thing holding the acc together right now is a media contract yes. uh, through the 2030s and even that it's not like there's a penalty for leaving you just don't get any of that money and if a school like clemson wanted to go to the sec i mean they probably would get just as much money if not more by jumping ship so the acc is holding on by the the tenuous of threads uh pac 12 is dead Big 12 is essentially dead. Um, yeah, it, I mean, it really does look like you're going to have, you know, the Big 10, the SEC, and then the remnants of everybody else cobbling together, a, you know, another mega conference. So you know, there's a perverse school of thought that says <clears throat> that this move by the Big 10 actually helps the Big 12 quite a lot because they can pick up the Pac 12's cast offs. I agree. The Pac 12's dead. Sure. Uh, and, and so, you know, the Big 12 was this conference that was been on life support. Uh, pending the um, departure of Texas and Oklahoma, because what's left of the conference after that, who cares? And then all of a sudden, oh, you could pick up some schools. Uh, if you're a school like BYU, you're looking for a new home. If you're a school like, you know, so you're thinking about uh, where could these, where could these teams, go? I mean, you know, if the big 12 went away, where's so yeah, the remnants is kind of a good way to describe that. You're, you're exactly right about the ACC. That grant of rights deal is the one thing that's keeping them together, but you uh, can be darn sure that there are lawyers from Boston all the way to Coral Gables trying to figure out how to spike that thing because oh, sure, yeah. there are uh, a lot of schools that I think would be happier somewhere else. Um, and part of the reason that grant of rights deal runs as long as it does is because ESPN required that of the conference to set up the ACC network. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, you know, that's part of this story. I think that's really interesting too, is the role these media networks have. And I've seen some folks kind of pop off about this in the comments or on social media, that it feels like you're getting to an era where you're going to have an NFL type, 
um, uh, set up, you know, an AFC and an NFC, you're going to have the SEC and the Big Ten. One of them is Fox's baby and the other is ESPN's baby. And sure. the two are going to duke it out for the, the title every year. Uh, is, is it going to be kind of that dystopian? Do you think what, what, <laughs> is what that does, dystopian? People love the NFL. They, right? Well, and so that's the question. Like, what are we losing as a sport? Because I've seen sure. quite a few people comment about, you know, the nostalgia of the good old days when were these, you know, regional conferences, you were, you were really tied into what was happening in the big 10. If you're in this part of the world, or if you're in the Pacific coast and, and so on, we're, we're losing that it's going away. Now the big 10 is truly a national conference from coast to coast. Yeah. And, and the sec could very well end up that way as well. They may not, they may end up just still focused in that Southeast. You know, if they pick up a couple of those ACC schools you talked about and that be it. Uh, but you, you have this sort of move away from the traditional model. It's been happening for years. This is not just something that's happened in the last, you know, 24 months. Right. But, but what, what are we losing? Conversely, is that future state that's more NFL like better because the NFL is the most popular game in town? Mm -hmm. Well, and I don't know, man. I mean, that, I mean, you could say what we're losing are regional rivalries and um, that culture part of college football. And that's something to be concerned about. Like, I, I don't want to poo poo that. I understand that somebody may go, you know, I, you know, let's say you're a, you're a Pitt fan and you love the regional rivalries that Pitt has. And now all of a sudden it's so much harder to try to get those things going because you don't know who's playing what and when and where and all this other stuff. So if you're a smaller school and you really love those regional rivalries, then yeah, that's something to maybe be concerned about. Um, but as far as like, I don't know. I mean, people talk about the Rose Bowl and whatnot, and, and we talked about this, you know, before Ohio State played in the Rose Bowl, which is it's already gone. I mean, a lot of this stuff, a lot of these things that people have nostalgia for and that they talk about like, oh, man, I can't believe this stuff isn't around anymore. I, I don't know that people get excited about that anyway. The, the biggest what's wild to me is like if you look at the ratings, for example, Ohio State, Michigan kills it every year i mean it doesn't matter how high state michigan i mean it's always going to be one of the top five games of the entire football like season okay college football season and it even competes with some nfl games which is wild the other ones that are really highly ranked are sec matchups that are basically a week-to-week -week kind of thing occasionally the rivalry games but the point that I'm making is that if people like talk about army and Navy and like, I really love, you know, like seeing USC and UCLA, no, you don't <laughs> like maybe you do. But the point is, is that they, these don't drive the, they're not, they're not moving the needle, right? They're not driving the car. They're, they're not the juice that makes all of this go. There are very specific things that bring in viewers. I think what Fox and ESPN is, have done if they, they are trying to maximize that. And the, older you know rivalry games the the older like history stuff like i again i love that I'm, I'm not trying to take away from that but that's not what brings in the viewership or the advertising dollars and these media companies and these football conferences or these sports conferences are making a purely financial decision and yes you can be upset about that but also we live in a capitalist society. People are always going to try to maximize profit. And that's what this is. It's maximizing profit. So 
you got, I mean, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's, that's really the inevitable conclusion of, I think the new media age that we're in conference expansion, all that, it was always leading to this. It always was leading to this. I read a great book. God, probably 15 years ago now, maybe longer. I mean, it was Thomas Friedman. It's called the world is flat. And this is one of Mm -hmm. those kind of things. It feels like college football is really flattened out because you're you've taken this that used to be very balkanized and it's and it really is moving rapidly toward you know nfl 2.0 nfl light nfl junior whatever you want to call it i mean and and not just because of uh, we've been talking about that in the terms of nil and paying players and player Mm -hmm. mobility and so on and so forth uh but with the media deal i mean it's you i could very easily see uh you know a pair of super conferences i've been thinking about this for you know five or ten years as a future state where you had four 20 team conferences right and that they were kind of they operated pods within those conferences whatever you want to call them and and that would facilitate an expanded playoff but you know you made the point there about it's gonna be ohio the big 10 the sec and everybody else is there enough everybody else to make for say 20 team conferences or is it going to be uh you know a 20 team sec and a 20 team big 10 and who cares about everybody else well that's what's interesting to me too because and i even got an argument on (laughs) on twitter with staples andy staples about this which is I, i think and i wrote about this too on friday i think there's two different approaches to this which is the SEC is going like they're they're looking at these programs, specifically these football programs, as assets to be acquired, right? So you're going to increase the you know financial viability of your portfolio by getting these really highly valuable assets, and then that will make your overall conference be that much more valuable, that much better. My argument is that I think the Big Ten is better situated by looking at where there's opportunity for growth. And, and so I don't know that USC or UCLA or even them both combined equal like the fandom of a Texas or anything like that. But I also think that Texas and what they bring to the table isn't that much more than like, you know, in terms of additional eyeballs on SEC football, I don't think that changes anything for the SEC. I think everybody who was watching Texas was already watching the SEC games. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know that that, that really moves the needle that much for them, at least in terms of like additional people to sell things to or to watch their games. I, I think they're just kind of bringing it under the same banner. Now that's still an awesome asset. I'm not, I'm not saying like Texas is not valuable or anything like that. Uh, but I think in terms of like how the media landscape is going to look like in the next five or 10 years, you want to be able to attract as many new people regularly as you can. And I think uh, uh, the big 10 by going to LA, going to Chicago, going to New York city, like that's, that's the move that I think that's the move. I think that's the best way to do it. Um, Cause you're, you're, you're really looking for concentrations of population and um yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens and, and, you know, how it works out for both conferences. I think both conferences will be fine. I, you know, Ohio, you know, Ohio state is going to be there no matter what, it's going to be a big, you know, attention getter, Ohio state, Michigan, and whatnot. Texas is always going to be a big attention getter. I think both the sec and the big 10 are going to, you know, do numbers. Um, but it's just interesting to me to see these different approaches to that. Yeah. And different approaches. Uh, I think it's all happening very fast and the next, you know, 12 months is going to be extremely interesting. The next 
12 days could be very interesting. Who knows? Because there's sure. still a lot of discussion about what other conferences the Big Ten might add. Let's go into that because I think we probably both agree they're not done yet. I, I no, no, kind of no, thrown no out way. the number 20. That seems to be a number that a lot of people have been um, that have probably been uh, tossed around the most. It seems like that's kind of a natural number for some reason uh, that people talk about is 20. So if we assume that it is 20, number one, do you think that's a safe assumption? And then number two, who's on your wish list? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I think that is a safe assumption. I think they'll definitely try to get to, to 20. I think 18, 20, that 20 really would be ideal for them. Uh, that would make it a lot easier in terms of scheduling and all that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, Notre Dame, right? Notre Dame's got to be at the top of the list. Uh, I would say Stanford would probably be number two. And, and really, like, you get those guys in. You got Stanford, Notre Dame, US. I mean, that's the triumphant, right? That that would be, I, I think that would be super solid. And then, I don't know. I mean, after that, like we mentioned UNC, I, I think that's a, an excellent school that would be really, you know, obviously bolster the conference in terms of basketball prowess. Um, you know, people talk about Washington. I don't think, you know, Washington, Oregon, I, I would be fine with, but I honestly take or leave either one of them for me it's really just down to notre dame and stanford and then whoever else you want to throw in there that's an aau school um the notre dame thing man i don't know what <laughs> so i was actually snooping around i was i was looking at this before um we started recording right and si actually well okay so this is from pat 40 and he basically said that his his sources are saying at notre dame that notre dame wants to stay independent during all of this and that is that as stupid andy as i think it is because i think that is unbelievably hilariously dumb at this point it's like it's it might have made sense yeah. 10 years ago but now it's like well this is foolish yeah foolish is, is exactly right like this to me is the definition of hubris foolish pride you know pride goeth before the vol in insert you know adage cliche whatever you want here independence is one of those things that Notre Dame has talked themselves into thinking is super important to them for some reason. Right. And, and I, I, part of me gets it like the Notre Dame schedule can be very cool compared to, you know, your average conference. You know, if you're, if you're a member of the PAC 12, how many games did you really get super excited about? You know, uh, I, I, I get that, I guess. But if I, if I'm thinking about this modern media landscape that you just talked about and, and there are media, entities throwing literally billions of dollars at conferences you know ohio state and its fellow big 10 member institutions could literally be looking at six figure checks every single uh, sorry seven <laughs> i gotta do the numbers right 100 million dollars <laughs> let me just say it that way 100 right. million dollars nine figure checks nine figures that's the number how many zeros are in this again 100 million dollars every year from the conference where you know and looking at this the Big Ten in 2019, I think whatever the latest 990s that are publicly available are, I think the Big Ten paid out 50 some, 54, 55 million yeah. to each member institution. The pack was paying out like 30, 32, something in that mm -hmm. ballpark. So yeah, Notre Dame gets a lot of money from its TV contracts because of its independence, but is it going to be a hundred million dollars a year big for one school? I know I, I don't buy that. I don't buy that. And and two, you know, I, I wonder how relevant is Notre Dame 10 years from now? I think they're already less relevant than they were 10, 15, 20 years ago uh, because they go to the playoff and they've been getting 
powdered. You know, they have not been a serious national title contender year in, year out, like in Alabama, like in Ohio State, like mm -hmm. in Clemson even. So that's the other thing that comes with that is you can be cock of the walk, independent, write your own paycheck with a media partner if, if, if you're delivering that kind of performance here, if you're that kind of brand, I, I just think they're going to get themselves left behind. I think it's hubris. I think it's foolish. This is the perfect time for them to come home, so to speak, to the Big Ten, because that's always been sort of the conference where they belonged for a lot of reasons. Number one, big brand, you know, certainly the regional um, uh, piece of the puzzle, that national scope of the brand, you know, they fit in a lot of ways with a school like Ohio State or a Michigan or a Penn State in terms of their cachet. But that's going to go away if, you know, schools like USC and UCLA, those brands are as big as Notre Dame. And yeah. they're looking and saying, hey, we want to be a part of this. <laughs> what, who the hell does Notre Dame think they are? I, that's a rhetorical question, but <laughs> I just, I think it's foolishness. I thought it was foolishness the last several times they could. I mean, this thing they've done with the ACC, you know, like it's tacitly admitting we need a conference in everything but football. And we're still going to kind of, you know, they've, they've tipped their hat that they want to be part of a conference but they want to have their cake and eat it too. It's like Texas right. and Oklahoma and the big 12, you know, they, Texas, Texas wanted to have the Longhorn network. Texas wanted to dictate terms of the conference and they're, you know, not being able to work and play well with others. <laughs> it only works so long. So, and that's, I, and that's really their problem is that and, and works so long. I mean, the time running out thing is, is something that I really agree with you on that because Notre Dame, I mean, they had a, a pretty good year in general, uh, last year but like they weren't in i mean i'm looking through the tv ratings i mean they they did manage the top game uh for a big noon kickoff uh one time during the during the you know 2021 college football season great good for them but otherwise they were relegated to the bottom part of the top 10 when they played sometimes not even there sometimes you know they were sequestered into like the acc network like it's not the, the problem is, I mean, their biggest problem really is, is that they just don't have the cultural cachet that they think that they do. And if you look at the bowl games, for example, right, like they played in the Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma State, all right, on January 1st. So that was a January 1st game. A December 30th game, the Peach Bowl, Sparty versus Pitt, almost drew the exact same viewership as Notre Dame, Oklahoma State. All right. On a January 1st game. That's what I'm talking about. Notre Dame is not up there. Like, yes, that was a really widely watched game. Right. And, and Notre Dame does bring a lot of, you know, cachet with them. But that's but it's not what it was. They were they were not up there with the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl had over twice the viewership that Notre Dame pulled in in the Fiesta Bowl. OK, so that's that's just something that I think they don't really fully appreciate or understand. And I know that they want to be independent and do their own thing and, you know, do their own TV deals. That's fine. Uh, but the way the college football landscape is changing, I agree with you, man. It's just they are they need to get on board because it's going to leave them in the dust. And if, you know, Ohio State comes out and smokes Notre Dame in the first game, of the season, which they very well might. Uh, that, that changes the dynamic a lot. And it'll be very interesting to see where those two teams are, not just in terms of talent, but in terms of like conference, 
uh, when that game actually finally kicks off here in a few months. Um, yeah, that the lead up to that's going to be bonkers. I'm excited. And that's another reason why I think this is the time for Notre Dame to jump in, you know, get, get in the pool, join the conference, strike while the iron's hot, because then that game, I mean, the significance of that game, it's already pretty great, right? Like I'm super excited about that game. And then you add to that, like, Hey, future conference rivals. Da, 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 da. Right. It, and, and then it's win, lose or draw, uh, you know, but as it is, if they, they end up Ohio state smokes them and then they don't join the conference and this whole media landscape takes it, you know, leaves them behind as I think likely what a wasted opportunity. But as it is, you know, if they go in and future conference drivers and they get smoked anyway, Oh, who cares? They're still Notre Dame. They're joining the big 10. It's still a big news story. I, I just think it's the timing couldn't be better for them to do it and to, to abandon this pretentious, Oh, we're so independent. Who cares? You suck. Uh, I, yeah, I think it's silliness back to your question, hubris, silliness. All right. Thinking about what the future big 10 does look like with or without Notre Dame. So you're going to need a few more teams, uh, other pac 12 teams. You know, I, I look and I mean, of course people have talked about Washington and Oregon. Uh, I don't know if I care about Washington or not. I, but I would, I would say Oregon and Stanford. Yeah. Those are teams I would want in my shop. If I'm the big 12, wouldn't you? Cause here's a big 10. Yeah. Cause here's the question the logistics of adding USC and UCLA. I mean, those teams have got to be thinking, God almighty, how many times of the year are we going to have to fly to the Eastern time zone again? I mean, there's well, a lot of logistics involved in adding yeah. these two Southern California teams and it's, well, and it's going to be harder for I, them more, than right? it is for exactly. the other big 10 teams. Right. Right. Yeah, no, that's exactly. So I don't know. I, let me ask you this okay this is maybe slightly changing tracks but do you think if you're looking at these pac-12 teams do you think they care about playing each other that much do you think that they're like the because i don't know what the regional rivalries really look like i mean obviously usc and ucla dub but do you think like oregon cares all that much about playing ucla or usc it, I mean, it doesn't seem like they have the same, but I guess I would ask that question I thought, too. About I don't how hear that many... much about playing like, I don't know, like Minnesota. You know what I mean? I mean, it's right. interesting that we play Minnesota, but I'm not like, oh yeah, we got to, can't wait for that game. You know Yeah, I mean? there are like, very few games that you really get up for in the Big Ten outside of, is okay, so so Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, those are always games, right? You're Those mm-hmm. are always very, there's something interesting about them typically, uh, a little bit of juice to them but but you're right i mean beyond that uh wisconsin you know that's that's usually a good game um i used to get excited about nebraska <laughs> before sure. they were like the best worst team or, yeah America. before like they their average <laughs> you know margin of you know victory over nebraska was like 50 points yeah and so uh, t- thinking about the pack teams I mean, probably not, I, I guess, because it's probably not any different than I think it's probably only the SEC knuckle draggers who really get like, oh, man, we're playing Arkansas. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, how, how up do you get for the teams outside of your specific rivalries and or whoever the top, you know, two or three teams are in the conference if those aren't the same? 
yeah. Ohio State's happens to be that the teams they have rivals rivalries with are also the best teams in the conference. I guess that's well, why they're rivalries. But and I'm thinking like if you're from Oregon, I don't know, maybe the appeal of playing Ohio State, making that a thing, maybe that's that's something they would like to do. I don't know. I mean, maybe that has more that has more juice for them than playing USC every year. Um, just because you know the the relatively recent history between those two teams. I don't know. Well, I mean, looking at the brands, because that's part of what I think draws interest when you start talking about the ratings for these various games. I mean, <laughs> it's like almost every Big Ten game this year outdrew rating wise the Pac-12 games. You know, I mean, the ratings differential between the two conferences is is massive. Part of the reason, again, why USC and UCLA want to jump ship because they want to get more valuable TV time and the Pac just doesn't draw it. So you know, who are the brands in the pack that draw eyeballs? Stanford is usually interesting. I mean, I think people have followed that. Oregon, obviously, um, is is the other one I would say probably has the most national street cred or the most, you know, it's going to draw the most eyeballs just because they're yeah. flashy, the Nike connection. But, sure. you know, after that, does anybody outside of the state of Washington care about Washington State or UW? I no, <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think so. The answer is no. So, so I don't, so I don't know why then if I'm USC or UCLA that I care if I'm playing them again or not. I don't right. think I do yeah, except I for so the logistics. So that's, you know, that's the one thing that keeps coming back to, they have to add some other teams West of the right. great divide or something, because otherwise you're flying and it's not even so much football, football, fine. You charter the plane, you fly into Piscataway, whoop de doo mm -hmm. uh, But if you're the track team, if you're the lacrosse team, if you're the insert other non-revenue sport here, and maybe a hundred million dollars a year means you can charter a plane for every sport. I don't know. Right. But, but, but I look at Stanford specifically, you know, if you bring Stanford into the conference, Stanford, you know, has had the director's cup for a hundred years or whatever, because they field all these, or they used to did before they started cutting some of them fielded all of these other non-revs. They, they were one of the few other schools that fielded as many non-revenue sports as Ohio state does. So that has some real implications if suddenly you're in a national conference outside your traditional geographical footprint. Yeah, no, I think so too. I mean that, I don't know. It's, people talk about like pods and how that would work out. I don't even know. <laughs> would that even alleviate it? I, I mean, they, they can't just play each other. Right. I mean, I guess that you're, you're not always going on a 2000 mile plane ride, you know, every week, but I don't know. It, it, like I said, there's a lot to figure out here. The logistics, like you said, logistics are interesting. And <laughs> I guess that's going to be the case when you have one, team in your conference in LA and another one on the Atlantic ocean on the coast. So I don't know, that's going to be, it'll be wild to see how that all plays out. I'm excited. Yeah. I same here. And I think we're going to have lots to talk about in the coming weeks because I don't think this story is anywhere near done. Um, and we'll keep our finger on the pulse. Uh, we'll have plenty of takes uh, about all of it as it goes along. Um, Johnny, before we get into some things related to recruiting and the basketball Buckeyes, let's do our favorite segment of the show. Ask us anything. All right. Which, like the dubcast in its entirety, is brought to you by the dry goods store at 11warriors.com. Hats, t-shirts, stickers, all things for the discerning fan of Buckeye sports and the good life in general can be found at drygoods.11warriors.com. Be there 
or be square. What have we in the mailbag, my friend? All right. So let's remember, you can ask us anything by sending us questions to dubcast at 11 warriors.com. Uh, let's start with this. Um, <laughs> our good friend Alvin says, I am hosting a potluck. What specialty dish are you bringing? That is a great, that is a great question. Uh, you know, there was a time where I was pretty big on bringing um, like crock pot gumbo or like a uh, chili. I do chili a lot and bring, but uh, I, I haven't done that for quite a long time. Uh, so probably now, prob honestly, probably now I probably defer to the stunning Mrs. Vance and she would do something really amazing because okay. she's really amazing. But I used to love to do that, but I, I would do a lot of um, soups, gumbos. I, I used to love to make gumbo. Uh, I haven't yeah, done it for do... a long time now, but. Well, I would say something like I actually make is the uh, I make this like Greek salad kind of stuff. I think it's pretty good um, <clears throat> and it's it's pretty simple, but I like it. And if I'm really sticking true to my roots, I just got to do the old, you know, standby, which is the Skyline Chili Dip, uh, you know, where they've got the yeah. ingredient on the back or the instructions on the back of the can, which is always just choice. I mean, that is that's a fantastic dip right there. Um so yeah, one of those two, Alvin, I would say either, either the Greek salad, which I think, you know, we do pretty well here in the Ginter household or uh, the Skyline Chili Dip. Nice. That would be one of my choices. And, and I would say too, one of the reasons I like to host more so than going to, <laughs> like, I typically like to have those things at my place because then I can just do the meat. I, I would almost, oh, yeah, there you I go. would almost always rather do the meat than the sides. So a lot of times like here in our neighborhood, you know, I'll say, okay, I'm going to smoke a brisket. Everybody bring stuff. Or, or we're going to do, we, we, used, we did a one we used to call rib fest and mm -hmm. hey, we're going to have rib fest. I'm going to smoke how many of a racks of ribs and let, let folks bring their side dishes and desserts. And that I, I'm just a lot more comfortable apparently doing the center of the plate than the sides. So I got you understandable. Yeah. Uh, I, I would not trust myself to do that. So I'll stick with the side. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love doing that. Again. In fact, <clears throat> I, I need to, the, I was looking you know, God bless Facebook memories, but this weekend, uh, Independence Day weekend, hope everyone had a great Independence Day weekend. Uh, shame on me for not mentioning that sooner in the program, but uh, I was looking back at memories of, of all of the meats that I had smoked in previous 4th oh of God. July celebrations. I was like, oh yeah, that brisket was really good. Oh, like a oh soft, those ribs were amazing. Yeah. It was, it was like good. a soft romantic song from like the nineties, <laughs> like playing in the background. And you're like, you're like, you're like that meme of Wolverine in the bed. And touching the the picture frame, you know, and it's just like a, it's a, a rotation of all the different meats you smoke. Um, uh, this next question is from Josh. In the wake of the USC UCLA news, since geography no, apparently no longer matters for a conference you're in, what two picks would you want to join the Big Ten that aren't USC or UCLA? How about this? I'm going to modify this because we talked we talked about it a little bit here. Um, two it's got to be two picks like completely off the wall that you would just add for either humor or like weird you know personal reasons yeah so i you know it's funny i always used to talk about it coaches more so than programs but i was always like i wanted less miles and uh mike leach in the big 10 because of their press conferences and how hilarious they are so i think i think less miles is he's not coaching anywhere anymore is he so uh no. and where's leach now leach is at what mississippi leach State is somewhere in like uh like a 
I don't know, Bermuda Triangle or something like that. Like mentally, I don't know where that dude is. I thought he was at one of the. Did, did he? You know, he was. Uh, no, he's at Mississippi State. Yeah, he is. yeah. So you'd have to. So 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 we're gonna add Mississippi State. Uh, and yeah, he's somehow play? he's still sticking around. I don't know how. Uh, yeah. Okay. So Les Miles is not coaching currently. His last stop was at Kansas. So. Um, yeah, that's about all I got. Let's see. Hilarious. I mean, ones that I, you know, I talked about some of the serious ones I added. I, I made a pretty good case. I thought for adding Florida state. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that would be pretty hilarious because I don't know how they could be any more out of place in the big 10. Oh God. Yeah. They would hate it. They'd hate right. every second of it. Yeah. And culturally just don't fit at all. I would love uh, to see. I mean, it really would be funny to watch Florida state or Florida or any number of Florida teams, deep South well, teams. I mean, I actually rolling. made the case for Florida first, like Florida is the more natural fit culturally. Right. It's a land grant state, you know, yeah, but I'm just saying they got to roll up to Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. In right. Late right. November. That would be great. I would love that. Very yeah. Much. That would yeah, be never going to happen in a million years, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That would be very funny to me. I'm, um, I'm on board with that. Hell, you know, it, and uh, I, I would have, I would have never in a million years said USC and UCLA. So who knows? Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe Miami and Florida state coming soon to a big 10 near you. That would, oh God, Miami would be really good. Um, so if I'm going to add one comedy option, it would be Utah state. Utah state is my uh, non uh, Ohio state rooting inference uh, rooting interest outside of conference. Um, cause Utah state has a fantastic fight song and I just like that. They're kind of the, you know, the unaffiliated Utah school, I guess. So, cause you know, you've got university of Utah, you got BYU and then Utah state's just the Aggies. They're just chilling, doing their, their, their Utah state thing. So I'm a big Utah state guy and, uh, I would love for them to join the big 10. That would be, I think, uh, an excellent addition to the conference. And then I don't know, maybe like Syracuse or something like that. That, not because yeah. <laughs> I think they would add a ton of uh, a ton of value, but I just think it would be fun. I don't know, like Maine. I I really Bring I want some Citadel. kind of I mean, you know, no, not the Citadel. I don't know. No fake, like no fake service academy. <laughs> I just want something. I just want a team that's like super ridiculous and in the middle of nowhere, where some of the like you <laughs> like USC having to fly three thousand five hundred miles to play like Maine would be very funny to me. So that, again, it's all about comedy on the 11 Dubcast and for John and Ginner. So I, I would, I really want, for me, I want my secondary rooting interest and then whatever just ticks off the most people in the conference. That's really where I'm going with that. My, my serious answer to the question, you know, cause we, we touched on a little bit. I, I would, I, I think if I were Kevin Warren right now, I'd be targeting the four schools I would be targeting would be Stanford, Oregon, North Carolina, Duke. Yeah, yeah, that's I, yes. that's that's where I that's where I put my money because Clay. If Notre Dame wants to join, they can join, but I wouldn't. I would not bend over backwards. No, I'm not. I'm not giving them any. They get the same deal everybody no. else gets. If you don't right. like it, piss up a rope. I just right. that's how I feel what it is. as well. So, uh, next question here is from Buckeye Chief. Uh, with the implementation of the NIL, how long until a coach is fired or the AD is pressured into firing for failing to give investors slash boosters a sufficient return on investment? I mean, I think that's one of the really, I think this is one of the really fair criticisms of the current schema, right? Is that with the way, because coach, a coach, coach got to walk a fine line here. Cause on one, they've got to sell these recruits on how amazing the NIL is going to be at their school. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and so now, but at the same time, 
you know, the school isn't actually doling out the dough, right? We were leaving it to these collectives or individual sponsors or, you know, the car dealers of the world, whatever to, to do it. And so, you know, there's already the rules in place about things like there can't be performance clauses and, and so on, because when you've got deals, like we talked about this with Quinn Ewers at, at either his deals at Ohio state or at Texas, there's a guy who hadn't touched a damn football yet and, and is right. getting money thrown at him hand over fist. Uh, so at some point, somebody, and I'd say a lot of somebody's are going to be in that boat of, geez, why on earth did I spend that money? Cause that kid stunk or that right. kid, you know, look, I mean, look at the Quinn Ewers deals at Ohio state. What did they get out of that? Diddly crap in terms of now we talked about it. So maybe it's no, you know, maybe it's any news is good news from a marketing standpoint. We talked about those deals and, and so on. I mean, I just find it really interesting. I think. I think there are going to be a lot of people over the next two years who are really going to think long and hard about like, okay, what am I getting out of this? Why am I doing this? Oh, I and, agree with that. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And for the most part, and for the most part, I think the answer is it's, it's kind of like we, t we go to a lot of dog shows. That's our family hobby is the dog show thing. And so people always ask me, they're like, so when you win the dog show, do you get money? And the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> Every dollar that we spend showing our dog is money that I am not going to ever get back in any way. It is right. not an investment. There is no return. There's not, you're saying there's not a huge money-making. Uh, it, it, it's like drinking bourbon or smoking cigarettes. You do it because you like to do it. You know, yeah. you, you're not getting anything good out of it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it is just purely for the enjoyment. I got to feel honestly though, Andy, I got to feel like showing dogs, a dog show is not quite <laughs> as damaging to your health as chain smoking cigarettes, but oh. I don't, you know what? I'm not I, in that world. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. My feet were my dogs were barking at me last night when I got back from the show to be on concrete for four days. Uh, now, now back to the crux of the question about coaching. This is where I think it gets really, really interesting because yes, I, I really think it is inevitable. Use the word inevitable. And I think that's right. That there is going to be a situation. Won't the school isn't publicly going to say, Oh, we fired so-and-so because the investors aren't getting their return here. Mm -hmm. But if you've got, uh, let's, let's, let's look, uh, Texas A&M as, as a relevant example. I, I mean, Nick Saban called them out, right? They bought an entire roster. Mm -hmm. So somebody's going to want an accounting for that. If in the next four years, Jimbo Fisher hasn't brought a national title to college station. Sure. Right. But, I mean, there's going to be a reckoning that if you've got a, if you've got a roster full of million dollar babies. <laughs> okay. And you don't get a title. What was the point? So, how, so, okay. But how is that different from now? Like, isn't that, I the, mean, the, the difference is the difference is the boosters have a, a more public amount of skin in the game they've always had skin in the game right yeah. so, so i started to say the boosters have because they, the they, they've always had boosters skin in the have game. you know historically dumped in tons of money to bring yep. in coaches right and that's absolutely and that's got to be the same thing where yeah. it's like and hundred dollar handshake i mean let's not yeah. let, let's not act like you know kids weren't getting money from somewhere before right uh you know this is the, the one great thing about all this is that it's marginally more above board now in theory or at least marginally <laughs> more yeah marginally i think would be the operative <laughs> word there i started to say transparent and i stopped because that's not the right word either no, it's not uh but but i i mean i is it is it right or wrong like what what's it wh how how is ryan day specifically <laughs> you know 
influenced influencing influenced this whole nil deal like with the rules are in place it's a really interesting place i think as a coach that'd be one of the things one of the reasons why i think you've seen so many of these high profile older basketball coaches say hell with this i'm out right and i do think it depends on the like the environment the situation where you're at like ryan day in ohio state the way ohio state wants to do this they can tell whatever booster go kick rocks they don't care um but if you're you know, Mississippi state or, you know, like I feel like Mike Leach is not a guy who very would, would handle the additional pressures of NIL super well. And maybe that is something where it becomes more of a situation. I just don't think that it's that different from what it's already been just because we've always had boosters lurking around the program, such, you know, trying to dictate the direction of the program, getting it set at the head coach. If it doesn't you know happen the way they want it to happen, and now you're right. Like they have a financial incentive, but at least like if that's the case, if, okay. So let's say that a five-star quarterback goes to, you know, Ohio state, whatever, hypothetically. And that quarterback doesn't do very well in practice and is not going to be one of the starters. Right. And the booster, <coughs> the booster that gave that kid a million dollars through their, you know, their business or whatever is breathing down Ryan day's neck about this kid not playing. Well, first of all, it doesn't matter to Ryan Dick. He's not playing that kid anyway. The kid's likely to transfer. So who cares? Yeah, that's right. And then secondly, it, like they, the results are on the field. If, if that team still wins, if the Ryan, you know, the quarterback that Ryan Day picks goes out and they win a national championship or they win a conference championship or win 12 or 13 games, or whatever, nobody cares about that one booster. It's not, it's not going to matter. So I, to me, it's always about results anyway. Um, and yes, boosters are going to get, I think ostensibly a more visible role and some of them will probably enjoy that. Some may not enjoy it as much, but I also think that honestly, it just comes down to results, no matter what the deal is. And I don't think it's going to be that big of an impact, honestly. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Good question, chief. That was, uh, cause I, that, that's one of those things as I was saying earlier about, uh the next 24 months with relation to conference realignment i think we've said this more than once that the next 24 months are going to be really interesting with regard to this whole nil deal because yeah, there's I agree. Just a lot of things that the landscape is going to change a lot uh, yeah it will continue to change out. too yeah yep for sure uh next one here this is from bryce who says now that the big 10 has added usc and ucla into the fold hadn't heard about that thanks for letting me know uh what do we need to do to have the buckeyes and that team up north wearing home jerseys for the game so usc ucla managed to make it work let's get a scarlet v maze in the game i think that's a great idea and i think that would be sick i would love that 100 percent, all on board with it i think that the the thing that um you know, the last 12 months, uh, 24 months has, has proven with regard to college sports, college football in specific is that there, there, there are no sacred cows anymore, uh, slaughter them all. And so anything can happen. Anything can happen. Change, change is happening rapidly. I want to talk to the person who's like super, super invested in making sure that one team wears home jerseys and one team wears away jerseys. Does anybody really care about that anymore? I I would hope not. I would very much hope not. But see, you say that and and there's, there's always a part of me. Like I, I swear I saw, um, somebody in the comments on, because this has come up before, right. That Ohio state should play. And and oh, the, I'm sure somebody's 
pissy about it. Like but people like, who are colorblind. Like I, I'm not trying to be flip here, but like people who are colorblind. Like how big of an issue is that? Sure. If one team isn't wearing white, you know. So yeah, if, if uh, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Get over it. Uh, yeah. So I, but I'm all about it. I think they should totally do it. Yeah, I think it'd be sick. And you know, honestly, like that's some sacred cows you want to keep some of those things you don't want to get rid of like script ohio you know what no, I mean? no, like no 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 yeah no, no. There's, but, there's but but some of this stuff i mean it's, it's not even really a tradition it's you know they've done so yeah, many alternate uniforms yeah it's not part of it yeah i agree by the way i said and I, I even we even prepared this andy i think we've got it we're gonna have to devote there's too much stuff going on this week so again matt i apologize we're gonna have to push this back because it's it's it is truly a doozy and i do want to give it the time that it it deserves so we'll matt i i'm like dude you you are one of the most creative uh people it's gonna take me five minutes ever. to read the question so <laughs> no the, say nothing the level of, of thought the depth of thought you put into this question is astounding yeah. i my head is off to you so we're going to leave sir. that for a non-conference uh explosion week however th- we do have one more question from joshua f and i love this question uh which fast food menu item would you introduce to the founding fathers and why oh god <laughs> I, I had a lot i had a lot of fast food driving to and from virginia for a talk show this past weekend yeah. so i've got a few uh i gotta tell you this is not necessarily the answer to the question um but i gotta tell you uh the new arby's shout out to kevin harris the new arby's uh burgers are they good they're really good okay there was some there was some discussion in our slack chat about whether or not they would be up to snuff and i'm i'm happy to hear that they are they are indeed edible that's good i, I had some i had one somewhere i think it was uh, stanton virginia maybe uh we we got off the interstate you know for uh, bio break and fuel and it was around lunchtime and uh the stunning mrs vance wanted wanted some roast beef and they had the you know this is one of those times where the point of sale advertising got me and it's like the new wagyu burgers and i was like i'm gonna try that as a as a, a beef guy i was i was impressed I okay was, i was very impressed hey Hang, hangs in there very nice and i like arby's anyway but uh and i was skeptical very skeptical because i'm like nothing about what you do as <laughs> your stock and trade says to me these are going to be amazing burgers they're really good so now pricey pricey uh two burgers a shake and like a drink and i think we were in like 24 bucks it was Mm. it was a little stiff so that's i want to say it was like a 10 or 11 dollar burger so that to me is a bit much for fast food don't know that i'll do that regularly but i had to try one and i was impressed what would i introduce to the founding fathers (sighs) fast food wise um i i would say mcdonald's french fries when they were still made with beef tallow okay to me the original mcdonald's fries this is before you know, the, the heart health hysteria of the late eighties, early nineties, when they took beef tallow out of, because people don't probably don't realize this, but, but McDonald's fries were intended to be fried in beef tallow. They, they do this magical thing. Beef tallow as a frying medium does this magical thing where the fry, the outside of the fry is perfectly crisp and tasty and flavorful. And the inside is, is, is pillowy and light and soft and, and just delightful. That potato it transforms into this wonderful thing. Uh, but, be, but because we were beat over the head with bad, bad cherry pick science about fats and what we're going to do to your heart and we're all going to die 
uh, McDonald's capitulated and took beef tallow out of the mix and replaced it with a blend of vegetable oils. And it's, it's still a fine fry product. If you get the fries, you know, immediately out of the fryer when they're fresh and hot. And if an appropriate amount of salt has been applied, but the fries of our youth were truly a magical experience. McDonald's <laughs> bring back beef tallow. I thought it was because of like, you know, in foreign markets where like in India, for example, that that would be a huge no go. Well, as it turns out, I'm not in India. So bring back beef tallow. If they can do the Royale with cheese in France, they can do beef tallow (laughs) in Columbus, Ohio. That's that's what I have to say about that. Where are you going with this? What what are you flipping Ben uh, Franklin's wig with? From the fast food drive-thru menu. Well, I 100% want them to eat things that they've never actually eaten before. So while I appreciate your, you know, your enthusiasm and love for the beef tallow fry, I, they've had potatoes, right? They probably even had fried potatoes at some point. Um, I want them to be eating things and looking at things that make them go like, is this edible or not? Is this <laughs> something like, is this something that I can safely ingest? Because I really, you know, just to freak them out as much as humanly possible. And of course, the best fast food restaurant to do that at is Taco Bell. So like, seriously, think about like nacho cheese as an idea by itself would be terrifying to every single founding father. (laughs) But the fact that you could have something like a cheesy gordita crunch, none of those things make none of those words make any sense to any of our founding fathers. (laughs) Like the idea that you would have something with jalapenos in it or any kind of like pepper or the type of tomatoes that they just i would say taco bell a crunch wrap supreme or a cheesy gordita crunch would terrify them and then when they ate it they would feel like they were going to die like i feel like i'm not a person who does you know contrary to popular belief apparently to some dubcast listeners i'm not a guy who's ever partaked in in illegal substances that's not who i am as a human being however I have to imagine that feeding a cheesy gordita crunch to John Adams would be very much like somebody hitting their first dose of acid. That's all I'm saying, right? Like, I feel like it, the, the, the effects on the individuals have to be very similar. Yeah, so that. that's, that's 100% got to give them a cheesy, cheesy gordita crunch uh, from Taco Bell and just watch their eyeballs fall out of their heads because I think that would be fantastic because like a burger ground meat. Okay. They, they could make the, the mind, you know, tongue connection there. They'd figure out what it was. I don't think they'd have any idea what in the hell they were eating. You know, the the, gordita crunchers. I think, I think along those lines, we're going to go to skyline and, and pile up a four way. Oh my God. Let's go. I want to, I want to see Thomas Jefferson tuck into a four way. That is, uh, that is, that is good. That is good. That would be fantastic, actually. Oh, my God. So many ways, so many reasons why that would be insane for anybody from the 1700s to eat. That would be fantastic. I would love that. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. So thank you for those. Those are excellent questions. And again, I I apologize, uh, Matt, but we will absolutely get to that (laughs) when we can. I I promise. I promise. All right, friends. Good stuff. Uh, And and to the commenter uh, on the site last week who who mentioned uh, their distaste for ask us anything because of the relevance of the questions to Ohio State sports. Nicely done this week, actually, questioners, because we had several really good, relevant uh, questions. I don't you know what? If you don't if you want to ask something that's completely irrelevant, I'll answer that, too. I don't care. 
That's yes. fine. The spirit oh, of ass is oh, any, look, anything. He's is literally anything. ask us anything. That's right. Uh, and that was the thing I shared Ohio back State, to the... That's great, too. But. That's what I said back to the commenter was you are more than welcome to send us questions. We would delight in answering your questions. As, anything. As we've just anything. proven. Uh, well done, friends. Good stuff. All right, let's wrap this thing up with some recruiting news. Ohio State continues to kill it on the trail. Four-star cornerback Jermaine Matthews committed to Ohio State on July 1, 24 hours after the commitment of 2023 cornerback Calvin Simpson Hunt, which was about oh three days after the commitment of four-star cornerback Kalen Lee piling them higher and deeper. I mean, the machine continues, and these were uh, not just wide receivers. We've been singing the praises of uh, the great Brian Hartline, but the whole staff getting it done here. Mm-hmm. Feeling pretty good about this defensive backfield of of the future. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, though. Like, I mean, I, I trust the coaches to know what they're looking for, but the, the bigger thing for me is just the fact that it doesn't feel like there's been any drop-off, I mean, anywhere, but you know, you look at a, a team with a new defensive coordinator and a lot of, you know, defensive staff being shuffled, all that kind of stuff. You, you worry a little bit. Are you still going to be able to pull in these big time recruits? Are they still going to, you know, live up to the hype as some of the other groups have? And I think they are, I think they're, they're just as elite as some of these other guys that are coming in. So I, that's, that's really what you want to see. And that is a very comforting um, development, I think. So they've done a great job. I'm excited. Yeah. About that. All three of those guys, top 25 cornerbacks in the class of 2023, all four stars, uh, hailing from Cincinnati, Waxahachie, Texas, and uh, Cedar Grove High School in Ellenwood, Georgia. So you also like that you're seeing that that continuation of the theme that Ohio State can secure the borders, get the Buckeye born and bred kids that they want, and go into Georgia and go into Texas and pull out four and five star kids at will right. from those programs, uh, exactly. backyards as well. Gotta love that. Kudos to the staff there. One last piece of news. One, I know you were super excited about Ohio state announced its full non-conference basketball schedule <laughs> yeah. Hooray. 2022, 23 season and man alive. What a schedule. Walk me, walk me through this big, beautiful basketball schedule. There's some schools in here. I, uh, honestly, there's one on here called Chaminade. I thought that was a, a parochial school in uh, the Dayton area, yeah. uh, like high school. Well, that uh, one doesn't count. That one's not for keeps. That's the exhibition. But oh, okay. But you know, you got Maine, which I mentioned earlier in the yeah. Cast. You wanted them to join the conference. Love that. Uh, Robert Morris, Charleston Southern. That sounds just like the name of an actor on an eighty sitcom. Uh, Alabama A and M a team that exists eastern illinois which is just like directional state i love that and then of course you've got duke in the big 10 acc challenge fine maui invitational fine and then saint francis pa which that sounds also like an 80s television sitcom <laughs> yeah yeah we're like a kid you know like a guy fresh out of prison goes back home to teach at his former alma mater saint francis, francis PA. pa um sorry Gary Sinise. I don't know. Um, no, starring Charleston Southern, clearly. Char- starring Charleston Southern. Exactly. So yeah, it's garbage. CBS. And it's, you know, and, and it's, it's kind of transparently like, I don't know, maybe this isn't exactly how it works out, but it does transparently kind of feel like, okay, well, this is a young team. So we need to get them some OOC wins. Yeah. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it really I, feels like that. I mean, look, I don't is... know if that's explicitly the reason why, but man, it's, I, I said this for you. Not so, going to be so a lot you, to distract people during uh, 
football season. Let me put it that way. If you go back to, you know, the latter years of the Thad Mata administration when things were trending south and pretty obviously trending south. Yeah. The thing that people used to say in the comments all the time, like, well, he's winning 20 games a season. He's winning 20 games, 20 games, 20 games. Like that was the benchmark was winning 20 games a season. Right. And, and I looked and said, look, these schedules are set to get 20 games. I mean, it, it was pretty odd because you'd look and be like, you're going to get, you know, t- basically you're going to win enough out of conference games that you only got to go 500 in conference to get 20 wins. So whoop de do, you know, like that was, and, and this is, this is one of those schedules that you, you look at and say, okay, yeah, exactly right. This, this lines up to give a young team and I'm not, you know, I'm not throwing shade here at that. I, but I think you got to say it is what it is. This is a Duke Duke. You know, we talked about that when that game was announced, that's going to be tough. That's going to be a tough lift for a young team. Yeah. Now they're going to get, they're going to get somebody good in the CBS sports classic. They're going to get somebody good in the Maui invitational. And beyond that, these are all games that Ohio state ought to win running away. And would hope so. Hopefully. Would so. And they're all home games. So, you know, hopefully is going to give them some, some early confidence, allow them to gel as a team, find out who fills what role in this team are the players we think are going to be the key cogs in the wheel, actually going to be the key cogs in the wheel. A lot to learn about this team. This is going to be a really interesting season for a lot of reasons. uh, But we know at least who they're going to be playing uh, here through the first part of the season. And uh, yeah, super exciting, super exciting schedule. Yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. Let's let's go. Let's go, Charleston Southern. All right, friends. Uh, great episode this week. Thanks for the ask us anything questions. Uh, thank you, Kevin Warren, for giving us some really interesting uh, cannon fodder to talk about. And and friends, again, wishing you uh, a, a great uh, Independence Day week. Uh, happy belated Fourth of July from all of us here at the Dubcast. I'm Andy Vance. I'm Johnny. Until next time. Thanks for joining us on the Dubcast. <laughs>